Australia's number one pop culture convention, Supernova, is returning once again in 2023, starting with Gold Coast at the Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Centre on April 15th and 16th, as well as at the Melbourne Showgrounds on April 22nd and 23rd. Guests include the likes of Boba Fett himself, Tamora Morrison, Stephen Armel, legendary Disney voice actor Jim Cummings, and so much more. So get your tickets today at supernova.com.au. Sideshow Bob, of all the Regioni and all the Villaggi, in all of Italia, you had to be il maiore of this one. I can assure you, I'm as sorry to see you as you are to see me. How'd you wind up here? Yes, tell us your story. But it better have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you'd better make us root for the protagonist. My tale begins after I had once again attempted to murder Bart. Okay, so far I'm rooting for you. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, the podcast where we always have a vendetta. This week we're here to review episode HABF02. It is the eighth episode of season 17 of The Simpsons, The Italian Bob. I am Dando. And I am Guy. Excuse me, I just rocked up in my Oldsmobile. Mm, your Oldsmobile indeed, but you're still rocking that awesome beanie of yours that you got all the way from Europe. Where was it specifically from in Europe? I forget. Now I've got to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's just say sorry. Tuscany. Tuscany. It was from Tuscany. Let, let's say Tuscany. <laughs> now, we, we have to let listeners know, is there going to be a lot of uh, offensive, stereotypical Italian accents try, attempted in this podcast today? No more that, no more so than in this episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, that is true <laughs> indeed. That is true indeed. But uh, we hope you all had a fantastic uh, Easter. Easter was last weekend here as we record this episode. Um, yeah, I had a good time. The kids had a great time. I actually went the extra level and did some Easter Bunny footprints throughout the house, like a last-minute thing. I was like, what can make this more Easterish?" I was like, okay, I've got a sieve. Is it, it's got a sieve with, with you sieve flour, yeah? And I got yes. some flour, and I just made bunny... I cut out like a bunny footprint out of cardboard. It took me about an hour when I ran the house, around the backyard, on the trampoline, on the deck, in the cubby house, and they loved it. But they are like, at the end of the day, because I just started eating it, and Elliot's like, why has the bunny's footprints got flour on it? I was like, I have no, no idea, mate. I have no idea. <laughs> He came from the factory. Came from the factory. <laughs> That's how the factory oh, made him. One hundred percent father of the year nonsense here. Well done, man. That's that's real nice. Uh, the 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 polar opposite was at my place because uh, I think on Saturday my mum had uh, got Lou the lovely Louise a um one of those you know gold wrapped bunnies. Is that the lint bunny the we little, were talking about? The, the little, little bell. bell. Yeah, ding, the bell. Ding, ding, yeah. Ding. Yes. 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 Hand that over and she says, oh, that's very nice of you, Mum. Thank you. I don't want any eggs. You're not getting any eggs. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> no, which, which in all honesty was all right by me. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I'd sort of had my share of, of sweetness um, in so many ways uh, on the on the lead up to, to Easter. You know, I went, I went all in on the hot cross buns this year. I'm normally not, you know, I'm normally, eh, buy a pack and I'll have two on... Uh, uh, Good Friday morning, two on uh, Saturday, and two on Easter Sunday, and that'll do me. This year, I was like, mm, so many different varieties of hot cross buns to try. Mm, apple and cinnamon. You, you, you put the words apple and cinnamon on anything. You put on motor oil, and I'll buy it. Uh, so I was like, ooh, hot damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> did, did you try the fruitless ones, though? No, no. I mean, the, they also make boring ones. <laughs> it's just buns. Mm. <laughs> it's, 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 it might as well just say buns on the bag. 
You know, I mean, look, some people don't like fruit, and that's fine. Um, but um, I'm like, no, put more stuff in the bun. You know, so uh, I was very big on the apple and cinnamon. I, I was buying bags left and right. And then I realised, holy shit, Easter's coming to an end. Stock up. <laughs> they still making hot grass. <laughs> Go to Coles. It's like, oh, they're doing two for six. Okay, I'll take two. Uh, but also some other places doing like caramel. Uh, hot cross buns, which I believe I mentioned recently. And I was like, oh, damn, these are fine too. Uh, except the supermarket that specialises in them, I think they went limited and, you know, they just yanked them off the shelf. So, I don't know. going to have to wait till next year for more of those. But, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't go all in on uh, bunny footprints the way you did, but uh, I had a pretty nice Easter, thank you very much. Caught up with my family, caught up with the lovely Louise's family. Um, Lou and I just did some hanging out and uh, chilling on the couch and um, yeah, nice time was had by all. I like Easter. That's great. Well, the kids have an absolute ball here. They basically, uh, I didn't want to go too hard. I think I mentioned last week on the chocolate. I was like, there's, there's going to be enough mm. chocolate. So I got them some little eggs and a couple of bunnies and things, but we gave them just presents instead. And I actually came up with this, I didn't come up with this genius idea. We went out Easter morning, right, for, for, for breakfast with my parents and my sister. She took us to this cafe on Packington Street here that I've never been before. But they had the menus, right? And they had to get the menus and they're always, well, not always, but they're usually laminated, right? Yes. Well, one side of was the menu, the kids' menu. The other side was a picture of just a, an, like a, a drawing that you can colour in. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is a genius idea because kids can colour this shit in, wipe it clean, and the next kid that comes in can colour it in. We've been buying books, like colouring books for the kids because they love colouring in, right? Like, you know, Buzz Lightyear or just Disney or Cars, whatever, dinosaurs. They do a few scribbles, whatever, they colour it in, then it, within 10 minutes they're going to get a new book. They've gone through all the pages, especially Holly, just scribble, 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 right? Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, why don't we go buy these $2 books from Big W, tear out the pages laminate them at big, at uh, Officeworks and then they've got unlimited forever u- forever usable colouring pages. That was that was the highlight of my Easter. <laughs> you're, you're hacking the hell out of life here, man. This oh, is yeah, great. Now, we, now when we go for drives, I'm like, quick, grab, grab your favourite picture, grab your texter. They sit there colouring <laughs> as we're drawing. I'm like, it's a quiet drive now. They're quiet. They're occupied. They're having a good time. It doesn't matter because Ali used to always freak out when Holly was colouring in his picture. She ruined my picture. I'm like, now, it doesn't matter, mate. You can just rub it out and start again. She's like, this is amazing. I think you should you know, either, well, no, you can't copyright this idea because you stole it from someone else. Um, but How can also, I monetize this? That's true. I, I literally said to Nicola, though, I'm like, I'm like, I should literally go down to the Sunday market here in Geelong, you know, print off like ten, a thousand copies of these dinosaur pictures, sell them for a buck each laminate. You can laminate them for like 15 cents each. Five times your money. Make, make your money. Make some money. Make some money. All about making money. But speaking of uh, making some money, you will be noticing, guys, if you listen to this podcast on the free feed, that there may be a few more ads in this show these days. That's because... Uh, we are now part of the Spreaker slash iHeartRadio network. So if you've been listening to this show on Podbean for the last eight years, it's time to move on. The podcasts uh, will not be updated on that feed anymore. If you're subscribed to the show, it's nothing's going to change, right? But if you specifically listen to us via the Podbean websites, you won't be finding any more new episodes on those websites. So I will be putting an announcement on that, on that feed as well, but the feeds will be the same, but the actual specific pod being website for four finger discount it will stay up there it won't be getting taken down it won't be disappearing but there'll be no new episodes so if you listen to this show via podbean make sure you now head over to our new website which is um, on Spreaker. So you can find us all on Spreaker. But if you listen to us through Spotify, iTunes or whatever, nothing changes. It's just for those who listen specifically through the Podbean app or on Podbean, you're now going to be listening to us via Spreaker. So thank you to Spreaker slash iHeartRadio for 
taken us on board. We're now part of their Prime network, and that means yeah. there's going to be a few more ads dropped in throughout the show. But you know what? If you want to get ad-free and early access to this show, you can support us and just for just a couple of dollar dues per month, and you get all the shows we have here on the Four Finger Discount Network. So yeah, that goes for all the shows, by the way. So all of our shows are now under the brand of the Four Finger Discount Network on Spreaker. So good times ahead for us, Mr. Davis. That was some good spruiking via Spreaker. Uh, well done, Dando. Uh, oh, yeah, they call us the Spreak. I think we can get away with that. How's uh, that sound? Oh, we, we can just, we can, why not? Why not? Let's fold that in there. But, uh, <laughs> yes, good good news, good times ahead for the Four Finger Discount Network. Um, if you like ads, there are some good ones out there, and they'll probably be played throughout uh, the Four Finger Discount Network uh, podcasts. But if you don't like ads, and, you know, why, what have you got against capitalism? What's wrong with you? be part of capitalism by being a patron of uh, the Four Finger Discount Network. We'd really appreciate it, and your ears probably will also. Yes, and don't forget, once we hit 1,000 supporters on Patreon, we're going to be launching that Bob's Burgers podcast for free as well. So make sure you jump on board, support it, your pals Guy and Dando. But, Mr. Davis, we are here today to talk about the Italian Bob. First point I want to make, I'm Ooh. glad that they acknowledged, or they didn't even acknowledge, but Lisa just knew how to speak Italian from the get-go. I was like... At least there's some consistency from that episode to this one. I was like, I was like, thank, thank God. <laughs> We've got a bit of the continuity, which we appreciate. No, I mean, uh, yeah, that was a. Um, that's true. I don't know if I would have been picking nits about that. I mean, Lisa's oh, such yeah, a you know a smarty pants that you probably go. Yeah, she's probably picked up a little Italian somewhere along the way. She, you know, she knew that was a Fellini movie that was on the uh, on the dash cam. No, but I so, would have been annoyed though if she didn't know how to speak Italian after just learning how to speak it in the previous episode. That's what I would have been annoyed about. I get what you mean, and yeah. I wholly agree with you. Um, also, I like this episode. I thought this was uh, good, breezy fun. Mm. I must say, yeah. I mean, well, you um, do love your stereotypes, so I do. Yeah, <laughs> but you usually hate <laughs> the was- you usually hate the Simpsons Go Abroad episodes. But I thought this one did a good job of not just being the Simpsons Go to Italy and just random stereotypical shit happens. It actually had a story that fit the Simpsons universe as well, with Sideshow Bob worked into it. That's correct. Yeah, and plus. I don't know. I mean, the way they uh, poked fun at Italy this time around or had fun with the stereotypes, I don't know. Maybe it's because Italy's got a really dense, rich culture in so many ways. We're all jealous of Italians. Of course we are. but um, And that's not to disrespect any of the other countries, including Australia. It's actually my have, heritage, Italian. What, what Dando? Dando, Dando. Dando is from Italia, Italy, yeah. Do they, did they cut off the front part or the back part, or is it just Dando? It's is it like up and done? Oh, I have no idea. I just know that my ancestors are on my mum's side of English, on my dad's side Italian. But we're like nothing oh. Italian at all. You wouldn't know that we're Italian. We're Aussie as it gets. But back, 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 we are Italian apparently. Okay, I'm going to rein in the stereotypes by I don't want to inadvertently insult you or your <laughs> parents or your parents' parents or your dad's grandparents no, they or don't anything care. like that. They don't care. <laughs> there is, as uh, what we call in Australia, there is yobbo as they get. Don't worry, <laughs> Aussie as Aussie as, mate. Yeah, but yeah, continue. You liked the um, what you liked? No, no, I, yeah, um, I, I just felt that it was both poking a bit of fun at Italian stereotypes, but also kind of celebrating Italy as well. You know, I mean, it, it seemed to have a real appreciation for the Italian lifestyle. Mm. Shall we say? And but I think you're you're one hundred and twenty five percent correct when you say that folding the uh, the sideshow Bob story in there as well. I don't know it it anchors or or gives the story a little bit of weight and connectivity to the Simpsons yeah. universe. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't feel like as you said. Um, 
another the Simpsons go to so and so. It is that, of course, but at the same time, it also feels like man, we haven't forgotten where they came from and their history and all that kind of business. Yeah, I thought it was quite different the way they approached it too with the Simpsons family, particularly Homer. But usually, when they go abroad, it's the Simpsons family go to places and they go. You mean you do things like this, and it's almost like it almost is like poking fun at the traditions of that mm. country. Where here, it almost felt like every time they were pointing it out, the Simpsons were looking dumb or just moronic for not appreciating the culture of Italy. I think the thing of it was most everyone seemed to really appreciate the fact that they were in Italy, and they really kind of reveled in it. Home yeah. was the only one who kind of, you know, dicked around a bit, and even then he didn't do it not so bad, much. Not that terrible, Not, not so much as yeah. usual. No, no. I mean, I, I thought it was really nice that, uh, you know, that Marge was making that nice speech at, the, uh, the, um, the at their big sort of feast. You know, I mean, the one where when, where Lisa gets drunk, but, you know. Is that a new Friends episode coming out? <laughs> <laughs> that Lisa Kudrow, for goodness yeah. sakes. Um, but, you know, Bart knew a bit of Italian and didn't seem a whole lot of Maggie in there, but. Um, she was just there. Yeah, yeah. but, yeah, I, I know. I thought I'd, maybe that's what made me appreciate this episode more than other travelogue yeah. episodes. The fact that there was a bit of appreciation, a bit of admiration and a bit of enjoyment of the um, of the culture of the place that they were visiting. And I like that they kind of added an extra sort of element to the Sideshow Bob character by giving him the family as well. Just mm. the, the killer family. Yeah, and indeed. It, it, I mean, the ending felt very flat to me. I thought the ending was a bit just like, ah, oh, really? After all of that, that's how it's going to end? Just Krusty drives off with them in, in the limo? That aside, yeah. I thought leaving it open where it's just like, okay, well, does that mean the Francesco... Is it Francesca? Yeah, Francesca, sorry. Francesca, and, uh, yeah. and Gino and Bob are now going to try and hunt down Bart. I thought, yeah, it works. I'm a, it I'm works, a, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this was actually a sequel to The um, to the Great Laos Detective, which we reviewed. I don't think it wasn't last season. I think it was the season before, maybe even the season before that, um, where Sideshow Bob basically uh, gets framed. He wasn't the one who, um, who was trying to kill Bart. It was uh, mm-hmm. Frank Grimes Jr. Remember that episode? Where Homer gets boiled, boiled in the sauna? I do. Yeah, and, and, I do. and it ends... Only vaguely, but... And it ends with Sideshow Bob singing the I've Grown Accustomed to His Face song, which is one of the better songs post-Golden Era of The Simpsons, and, you know, he's he's not going to want to kill Bart anymore. So this was meant to be a, a sort of a, a sequel to that. And I actually really enjoyed how... I thought the story of how he ended up in Italy, it all just made sense. It was... Yeah. And, he, and sort of throwing back to the fact that he's got the big giant feet and that being used to him becoming the mayor and things. I was like... There's been some, there's been some, like, obviously we mentioned continuity at the start of this, but there's been some love and actually recognition of the past brought into this episode as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, the way he ended up in Italy was a little silly, uh, but not not in, a, not in a dumb way, just in a kind of, it makes sense that uh, that Bob would like, I'm not, no, no, anywhere I go, anywhere the knife uh, yeah, you know, yeah. ends up, that's where I'm going. It's like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and finally, like... Okay, yes, chooses the mo- one of the most lovely parts of the world. So I thought that was a, I thought that was very funny and very cute. Yeah, um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, as I said, it just feels connected to um, to the yeah, to, if it felt because usually the ones where they go abroad don't feel canon. But this felt like it could be canon, and going forward could be canon because of the element of the family. These new characters, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, did you know Kelsey Grammer won the Emmy for this for outstanding voiceover performance? Yeah. I did indeed know that because yeah, I think were, um, I think Kelsey was like, "Give me a lot of stuff that plays to my strengths here." <laughs> you know, did you know that I sing? Like, and I, you know, I'm not a bad opera singer. So yeah, uh, I'll make Kelsey showing off the pipes and showing off all his uh, all his various skills here. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
wholly justified him getting the Emmy for this. I mean, I think it's for his body of work as uh, as Sideshow Bob, uh, Bob over the course of the uh, the series. I mean, he's he's a really good addition to the uh, to the show. But Kelsey Grammer is good like that. I mean, you know, he he added a little something to Cheers when he when he rocked up. I loved his uh, guest appearances on Thirty Rock, just playing himself, and he sort of played him as this. Uh, I don't know how he how to describe how he played himself on Thirty Rock. He was kind of this uh, scam artist masquerading as an actor, yeah, <laughs> and it was it was really great too. I mean, uh, he he knew what people wanted to see of his uh, of the Kelsey Grammer persona, but he also played against it very very well. He's he's a talented guy, and I always enjoy watching him. Thirty Rock is a show that I'd love to go back and revisit sometime because I remember when it was on. I just it was one of those shows that. I had to download the episode that week. Like I had to be up to yeah. date with Thirty Rock. I loved Thirty Rock. Same. Yeah. I mean, I've got them all on um, on Blu-ray or DVD. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. So he won it. So it was actually the first time that a guest star won it as a solo. So it was the third time a guest star had won the Emmy for best voiceover performance on the show. But the previous two were Marshall Wallace and Jackie Mason. And apparently they won it as a joint win with the rest of the main cast the first time the category was awarded in 92. So I guess the, the cast of The Simpsons won the award in 92, which I thought was odd. But, um, but this is the first mm. time a guest star has won it on The Simpsons as just the guest star, not part of the main cast, which I thought was pretty cool. And also John Frink, who wrote the episode, uh, he won the Writers Guild of America Award for Outstanding Writing in Animation. Uh, for, for this one as well, which for this you know, it deserves it. I thought it was, uh, the, like I said, the ending was a bit just like, eh. and there were moments where I sort of rolled my eyes, but overall though, when you think of um the, the stinkers we've had lately, <laughs> this one's been pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, um, not the deepest or most meaningful episode, but you know, sometimes, I mean, and sometimes that's good, but this just felt like a, a really light, but to use an Italian stereotype, a light, but tasty meal. Yep. It didn't feel like a Simpsons. It didn't feel like a Simpsons abroad episode. It felt just like an episode of The Simpsons. Pretty much, yeah. Hey, my favorite. What were your favorite moments from the Italian Bob? It's a nice little side gag, but when they landed at Da Vinci Airport, I love that all Da Vinci's flying machines were taking up the runway as well as the planes. I thought that was really neat. Um, I sort of opened with one of my favorite bits. Uh, everyone poking fun at uh, at Burns's uh, old mobile mobile mobile. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Martin getting in a really solid burn about your next car should be an Oldsmobile. <laughs> no, no I, laugh. I just thought that was funny. It's a really <laughs> obvious joke, yeah. but it's also, you know, sometimes a really obvious joke is a really smart one. Yeah. And I like that no one got it because I get the feeling everyone would get it. Everyone, the, I think everyone at home is probably going, not bad. <laughs> and every, all the kids are like, nah, you. And what is it? Nelson. Nelson. Says, Mr. Bird sucks. And then he gets the big laugh. <laughs> Which gets the big <laughs> laugh. Uh, but I think my... Maybe my um, favourite moment was the fact that this was an incredibly um, prescient episode in that, you know, they roll in the TV and they're watching Diversity Tales. I'm like, yeah. what is this, 2023? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but then later on as well, you've got, wow, you've got that and a Trump joke. I My favourite <laughs> moment one was, don't do Mussolini. Homer's just visual of him doing Mussolini. It was just like, fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was doing Trump. <laughs> I thought I was, and I'm not, not usually one for political gags, but that one worked for me. I was like, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it did indeed, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, just hilarious that uh, Trump, well, I mean, when is he not in the news? Yes. But uh, being back in the news so much now. But uh, that and diversity tells him, we're just like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I get the feeling if they did that thing now, 
you couldn't really get away with everyone going, oh my God, this sucks. No, you couldn't indeed. I feel like now though, you roll that thing in, kids would be like, yay, let's watch it. Like, but the thing is, I've noticed, it, particularly in Australia, like we've got the you know, the welcome to the country now, right? So Elliot mm. now, he, like, he knows it by heart. You know, he's, he's just like, oh yeah, acknowledge these people. I'm like, this is a step in the right goddamn direction. I'm happy it for It certainly this. is. I'm not. I'm not. Like, I'm just thinking of. I'd, I'd heard it usually called "Welcome to Country," and you saying it "Welcome to the Country." I'm hearing it like Gunners. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the country. We respect our elders, past the present. <laughs> we are not trying to offend people here. I am all about it, guys. Like I am all about it. I am pushing it to Elliot. Like I love the fact that we went to the end of year thing for his daycare last year, and they all said the um the piece and everything. And what I don't know it by heart. I wish we all learnt it in in primary school. But even when I was growing up, it still was not acknowledged anywhere near it was sort of starting to get yeah. sort of ingrained in, in our in our lifestyle but now it's thankfully the kids hopefully when Elliot's having kids by that time it's just like anyone who's racist in this country you're long gone hopefully fingers Ooh. crossed but um but yeah so I, I also really like speaking of um racist <laughs> I like the uh, the robot <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> when it makes the car that was also one of my favorite I just thought, a lot of what? good visual gags in this episode they were. I've got to say, I was a little astonished. Well, not astonished. I was thinking, you know, when they're making the what? What? What's the Lamborghini it's a, a, a take on Lamborghini Testarossa? But well, I Lamborghini Fastarossa or something, isn't it? Fastarossa. Yeah. Like yeah. I was thinking about Ford versus Ferrari. Mm-hmm. You know that movie, movie. with uh, Matt Damon, Chris. Yeah, great movie. Uh, and how you know they visit the Ferrari, uh, uh, not showroom. What do, you, what do you call it when you make stuff? Workshop, the factory. Work, the, the factory. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these hands that have never done a hard day's work in I'm, their life. I'm, I'm like, it surely doesn't mean the word factory. Because <laughs> <laughs> you would know that. <laughs> stuff where they make stuff. Yeah. And just thinking about how it looked like it, uh, you know. Do you mean the assembly line? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of, yes. <laughs> it took me a little while to get there because I am completely unfamiliar with these things. Uh, I did I did that for eight straight years, mate. Our Italian cars are just beautiful and they feel like they've been sort of handcrafted, you know, like they, was, they were put together with a hammer and chisel yeah. as opposed to a robot. I mean, uh, what I think that's a line they actually say in 30 Rock and something about Alec Baldwin says something about Italians. He goes, they may have never won a war or figured out how to mass-produce some workable automobile, but God bless them. I, I never appreciated cars until I worked at Ford. I'm like, the amount of work that goes into putting these things together. Holy Christmas. But, you know, I still now that I've left Ford, or Ford's gone in Australia, I'm just like, meh, not interested again. But at the time, I was like, all about it. <laughs> but I felt, like, I, felt like I, had to, I felt like you had to, because I know nothing about cars, but I felt like if I was going to survive in that environment, I had to know something. Someone was, I was having dinner with uh, with Lou's family the other night, and someone started talking about cars and horsepower, and I just I could just feel my head nodding like one of those clowns at the show. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> it certainly got that. <laughs> Any more brain busters? <laughs> All right, it is time for the blockbuster brain buster for this week. So this oh, episode gosh. aired, Mister Davis. We've got three newbies for the Unfit Leadboard this week. Mm. Uh, so we've got it's December eleventh, two thousand and five. What do you think one, two, and three were? I've got some clues. All right. Mm-hmm. Clue number one, wardrobe. Clue number two, Godzilla. Clue number three, oil. Oh, December 11, 2000. Wardrobe, Godzilla, oil. 2005. Okay. Well, did the line, the witch, and the wardrobe come out in 2005, or are we talking one of the sequels? Well, it wasn't Cause the line, the witch, and the wardrobe. What's another name for it? Uh, well, it's... Chronicles of Narnia. Yes, that was number Chronicles one. Of Narnia. That was number one at the box office. Yep. 
Oh, so that's Lion, it, so it is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Because there are a few. Oh, so the Chronicles of Narnia, is that, it, I know that it's the same story, but it wasn't called the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, though, was it? Well, that's the thing. It's like the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings. Oh, okay, then. Yes, okay. Well, that was number one at the US box office when this episode aired. Number two, Clue is Godzilla. Was it King Kong? Is this King when, Kong. Um, yep. Yeah, it's when Peter Jackson's King Kong came out. Yeah, went on forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long and that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really a good 120-minute movie in, in a 180-minute movie. Yeah. Uh, oil. Oil. One mm. word title. Oh, um, it's it's uh, Siriana. Correct. Well done. Yeah, with George Clooney, for which he won the Oscar. Uh, did Matt he really? Damon, he did. That's Yeah, right. and, and also really injured himself. There's a scene in it where he's playing like a – he's a spy, essentially, yeah. or a secret agent – and he's getting tortured and he's tied to a chair and when they were shooting the scene, he fell over backwards and clocked the back of his head, mm. I think. And, um, yeah, it really did a number. I mean, he had to have, like, ma- major operations on his on his neck to, you know, get him seen to and he said it's still hurting to this day. So I was like, well, at least he got an Oscar out of it, George, so that's all right. But uh, Siriana. Do you think when things like that happen, though, that the story adds to the legend, do you think that helps get the award when things like that go wrong? I reckon it might be the case, although I don't know how if he went public with it immediately. Okay. Although there there may have been whispers around the way. It's like, yeah. you know, he really hurt himself doing that. Well, oh, Jesus. Everyone yes. likes George. Let's throw him a little bowling trophy. <laughs> but Siriana, uh, that's the third one. Yes. Yeah, so Chronicles of Narnia, King Kong and Siriana were the top three at the US box office when the Italian Bob went to air. All right. 2005. What a time to be alive. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Okie dokie, trivia time, which means before we do that, it's time for some shout-outs of our beloved supporters on Patreon, starting with our man, Elliot J. O'Neill from the Simpsons Index podcast, who will be coming on the show in a few weeks' time to review Bart the Fink. I've I've revealed it, Bart the Fink, with Elliot J. (laughs) O'Neill. Very excited to have him on the show. So check out the Simpsons Index podcast as well if you haven't subscribed to that one. Also, our man, Andrew Zerr, for his $50 support. Thank you so much, man. And Katie G for her $70 support. What an absolute champion that Katie G is. We love her for it. Nice one, Katie G. Thanks heaps. Yeah, that's right. And don't forget, guys, $5 or more will get your name read out on the show. Or if you're a $20 supporter, you'll get your name read out on every single podcast here on the Four Finger Discount Network, starting with our man, of course, Jordan Molman Richie. Congratulations, sir. He's a St. Kilda supporter. So St. Kilda going very well here in the AFL this year for the first time in forever. Uh, So (laughs) congratulations, Jordan. Hope you're enjoying the footy this year. Christopher Darby, uh, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean DV, Pete Anderson, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Kevin Dental Plan, Flood, Joel Yoland, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, Bella Rinderbank, Mark Boston Burgess, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby with the 3350, uh, Adric McLeod, Lewis Kavanagh, and Mark Trelevin. Thank you so much, guys. And also the following people join the family this week as well Matthew Haynes, Lloyd, Andrew. Billy Jensen, Eric Lotringer, Julian Blackford, and Anonymous Johnny. Thank you for getting on the board here at Four Finger Discount and joining the family. We do appreciate your support. Remember, $5 or more will get you a shout-out on the podcast, early ad-free access to all the shows, uh, access to the Facebook community, Discord, and so much more. But, Mr. Davis, what is your first trivia question for me, please? Righto, then. Um, Jumping the gun a little bit here, but the couch gag is um, the Simpsons family as a, well, five-card poker hand, shall we say. Can you identify which family member is on which card? Um, Bart's the Jack, right? Mm-hmm. Homer uh, is the king? 
Yep. Which would mean Marge would probably be the queen. Uh-huh. I don't what Lisa and Maggie are. Lisa, is Lisa the ace? Or the jo- she is. And then Ma- Maggie's the joker. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Oh, five for five. All right. Nails it. I was, I, was, I was tossing. I was like, who was the Joker? Who was the Joker? Is Bart the Joker? No, he's not the Joker. He's the king. Yeah, there we go. He's the, um, he's the Jack. <laughs> All right. My first question is, how many minutes did Mr. Burns request that they stand still for when he was taking the photograph? The photograph will take 78 minutes. It would indeed. Yes. <laughs> mm. uh, in Diversity Tales, who is getting married? Oh, man. I didn't pay attention to that. What was it? <laughs> I, I too zoned out. Diversity tales, go to hell. No, no, no. Um, uh, it's Earth Turtle and Moon Mongoose. Oh, I remember hearing Earth Turtle and I was like, that's going to be one that guy's going to use. Am I going to write it? Yeah, it's gone. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> My next question is, Bob says, every man deserves a something chance. What number was it? Oh, oh, God damn. Think of unlucky. Oh, no, or, is it, or is it lucky? I think it's lucky, actually. Well, it depends on your uh, point of view and things, yeah. but I'm going to say 13. No, not 13. So what's the luck? What's the lucky number when you're rolling in? Oh, seven. Seven, yes. Chance. As you can see, I'm not oh. a gambler. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, what's your next question? There's a few of them, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you to name four of the cheeses that uh, roll at the Simpsons uh, car. Is mortadella included, even though it's not part of the, uh, the cheese insurance? I'm going to include it. But mortadella is not a cheese, though, right? It's a meat. Okay, well, but is that right? Is, that's right. right? I'm pretty sure I used to serve mortadella in the deli, and it was like meat that's, with olives yeah. in it, right? Yeah. Yes. Good point. Good point. Because yeah, I'm, it's one of those things I'm always thinking about. It's like mortadella. That sounds nice. Is that, is that a cheese or is it a meat? Yeah, I'm pretty and sure it's, it's the meat it's with meat. the olives in it. I used to, I used to hate it. Anyway, uh, the other cheeses were. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna get any because I'm half asleep and doing daddy daycare all day. Is mozzarella one of them? It is. Oh, bocconcini was one. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like um, what's that? Blue? <laughs> I don't know. What's smelly? <laughs> what's what's parmesan? Parmesan. Uh, parmigiano, parmigiano, which I yeah, think yeah. Well, that counts. Okay, yes. yes. Uh, well, that's three, right? Is that is that enough? That is indeed three. All right. Did I ask for four? I asked for four. All right. Well, I gave you more to Dallas. That'll look, that'll be right. Well, what else you got for That is correct. There's in order. They are yes. mozzarella, parmigiano, provolone, pecorino, gorgonzola. My favourite cheese name. Gorgonzola. I don't think I've ever eaten any, but uh, it's just a great word to say. Gorgonzola. Gorgonzola. Fontina, Taleggio, Bocconcini, and um, the (laughs) notable non-cheese, Mortadella. Mortadella, yes. All right. My final question is, what was the play that they were seeing at the end that Krusty was performing in? It's Pagliacci. Mm -hmm, Correct. I did enjoy Krusty going through it saying, nah, nah, add this, take that. (laughs) Two acts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> By the way, as is the way with Italian stuff, Pagliacci is actually plural for clowns. I think I've talked about this we in the did, past. We did, yeah, because we'll, there yeah. Was, it was a gag on yeah, a recent episode. There's yeah. always the gag that, uh, I'm playing Pagliacci the clown. It's like you're playing clowns the clown. What's going yeah. on? Um, but uh, it's like paparazzi is plural for paparazzo. One ah, single photography is go. a paparazzo. But uh, multiple paparazzi. There we go. I'm really offending the um, Italian uh, contingent of our of our listenership, and my apologies to you. Miss Guzzi. <laughs> At least you doubled down. That's all right. <laughs> I'll triple down before this thing's over. The Four Finger Discount Network is brought to you by our incredible supporters on Patreon. Each month, we provide close to 20 hours of listening content with our supporters gaining early ad-free access to every podcast, access to our Facebook community, 
prize draws, Zoom calls, as well as our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Tales of Futurama, The Movie Guys, and Four Finger Discount 2.0, with myself and Mitch continuing where we left off back in Season 11. So if you enjoy everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you too can join the family for just as little as $1 per month and help this podcast dream continue to thrive by heading to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Link is in the description of this podcast. All right, so the original air date of The Italian Bob was December 11th, 2005, written by John Frink, directed by Mark Kirkland, uh, and it guest starred, we didn't actually mention this, Francesca was played by... Maria Grazia Cucuccino. Yes, no, mostly for what, Mr. Davis? She was in a movie called Il Postino, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, was a bit of a, a bit of a sensation for a while. I think it got nominated for Best uh, Picture, maybe around 1990 or so. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but um, also appeared in The World Is Not Enough, the James Bond adventure from a few years earlier, to, uh, from, two, from 1999. Yep, she was uh, Cigar Girl. Cigar Girl. That's what she was credited as anyway. Not Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the chalkboard gag. Uh, that, oh, oh, so we also had Castle Grammar, of course, the Sideshow Bob, and John. Now, uh, we, we didn't, I don't remember this being a guest Is it John Moshita? Mo- Moshita? Well, that's... Uh, no, when, known, known for his, his American actor, singer, and spokesman. He's best known for his rapid speech delivery. Who did he play in this? He played no himself. Idea. But when did, when did he play himself? Was he in the diversity video or something? I don't think so. When, 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 I'm when was real he confused. I knew about Kelsey and I knew about Maria Grazia. Was he the guy at the, um, at the car factory, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, so apologies. Apologies for missing that one. Oh, that one shit, I saw that in the, in, the, um, in the credits, and I was like, I didn't pick up on that one at all. But the chalkboard gag is that one's more jazzy, and the catch gag is the one that Guy mentioned before in his trivia questions, where they're all a deck of cards. And I did not get the catch gag when I was um, watching this on Disney+. Plus. He didn't? Oh, okay. I did not. But then I looked on our friend Wikipedia, which said, hey, there's a catch gag. Um, there's a blackboard gag. Well, I always um, watch it on the, um, on the DVDs. Well, you, you and your fancy... Digital versatile discs. <laughs> I watch it on Disney Plus as well, but I always watch it on the DVD so I get the audio commentaries as well. God bless those commentaries. Seriously. Got me through some tough times. But the episode Commentary kicks off with stuff. really bringing in the television. That was always an exciting time in primary school when the TV gets yeah. wheeled in. It's like, yes, we're going to sit around and watch shit for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Passive education. You knew, you knew when the, t- the teacher had checked out at the end of the year when the TV started getting rolled in? You're like, they don't want to do mm. any more work. One thing I've noticed, though, is I'm constantly, whenever I pick up Elliot now from kinder, the kids are sitting in front of a television watching programs on TV, and I'm like, is this what kinder is now, just sitting around watching a screen? Yeah, shouldn't you be doing some show and tell shit? Yeah, shouldn't or, you, know, you be having sleepy arts, time? arts and craft and things? It's like, oh, they're, they're like, oh, they're educational. I'm like, I get that, but you're also an educator. So why aren't you educating? Yeah, here's the thing. Um, I could I could easily do this education at home. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Willie brings in the PBS presents from the National Film Board of um of uh, Canada, wasn't it? Canada. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Swipes at PBS and Canada. Ouch. But but PBS gave us Sesame Street and uh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, PBS is full of good stuff. I still say Mr. Rogers' so speech. I still say Mr. Rogers' speech. He's done it a couple of times, but where he says, you know, he says, take a pause and think of someone that you love. Hmm. Have you, you, know, you know that that speech? Have you seen that before? Oh, look, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm all over Fred Rogers. Yes, like that that speech where he's like, yeah, think about someone that you that you've lost, and then he's like, they'll be so proud of you and thankful that you thought of them. And I was like, why am I crying? Why am I crying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he that man is just onions. He's yeah. human onions. Yeah, Fred but, but he's it not just trying to be. He's just. 
It's like he's just a nice dude. He's just so <laughs> nice. And they, tra- and, they so pro- awesome. and they portrayed him so weird in the movie. I'm like, this is shit. I, st- I still haven't seen it. Oh, don't watch I it. I still haven't seen Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Don't watch I mean, it. They portray-, they portray him as this weirdo and he's just, I don't know. Like he's it's very odd because I think, yeah, I think Hanks is good casting for it. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is and the I, Mr. Like, I like Matthew Reese in it. Yeah. And it's also, it's, it's based on, I've definitely said this in the past, it's based on one of my, no, I'm, I'm, I'll go all in. It's, it is my favourite piece of, uh, profile journalism of all time, um, this Esquire article about Mr. Rogers called Can You Say Hero? And uh, you can look it up online, you can find it online. It is a beautifully, beautifully, beautifully uh, written and reported piece of work. Um, really takes you into the life of, uh, of Fred Rogers, but also the uh, the journalist who wrote it, who I believe is like the Matthew Reese character in the in the movie. Uh, but I think they misrepresented misrepresented him a bit. Which Do is they? A bit of a does shame. the does the article represent Mr. Rogers as quirky and odd and strange and a little quirkier than you might imagine? Because this was sort of before the reclamation area where everyone everyone was like, I mean, everyone loved Mr. Rogers, but everyone was like, well, he's a bit square, isn't he? And he's a, I mean, is anyone really that good? And it sort of presented a more human picture of him as well. I mean, he was, you know, wonderful behind the scenes, but it was also like this guy kind of make, marches to the beat of his own, uh, beat of his own drummer a little bit. If you've got a fucking dope rhythm section like Mister Rogers, march to it, man. Yeah, you know. What about that uh, video where the guy, the kid, who used to come on his show in the wheelchair, and he comes out to give him an award or whatever at the show? Mister Rogers just like gets out of his chair and just climbs up onto the stage to give him a big hug, and I'm like, man, oh man, what a oh, what, yeah. what a just. He's just like is he like what the greatest a living what a human? Lord. I'm sorry. Is he just the greatest human being of all time? Like if we if we were all at Mr. Rogers, man, what a world this would be. Well, that's true. I mean, uh, he's pretty good. He's not Brendan Nando, but he's pretty good. <laughs> oh no, I've got my moments. Don't you worry. <laughs> but yes, right, diversity but, uh, tales. PBS. Is, yes, diversity and, tales. Uh, and um, yeah, as we've already discussed, it's like this feels like a gag you would make now. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, pause here to discuss tolerance. I've got a big kick out of that. Oh, <laughs> Mrs. K suggested that they just stare out a window instead. Like, she's not interested in, in discussing tolerance either. She's like, I'm not doing any of this. This is where they mm. see Mr. Burns with his old car and they all make fun of it. And he says it was the first car to outrun a man. One thing I did take, oh, not offense, but I was just like, oh, I roll with this moment here. So Nelson makes the gag here when Mr. Burns says it was the first car to outrun a man. Yeah, caveman. I thought of that because I slept in a cave last night. I was like, we, there's been no follow-up to the episode where his dad came back. We don't have never seen his dad since. I'm like, that was such a great ending. And they've just yeah. thrown it out the window. Like I'd, I was willing to accept all of the shit gags like this up to that point, as long as we got the good payoff of his dad returning. But they've just gone back to them again. I'm like, oh. For, for all that was good in this episode, and to my mind, there was a lot that I really enjoyed. You also had a lazy Nelson gag like that. You had some Cletus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I will say, I mean, cutting to the chase, coming to the end a little bit, I will say a little Gino goes a long way. Oh, Gino made, was you, so annoying. It was Tress McNeil did the voice, his, and it's just like, uh, maybe it's just kids. Just, I don't know, but it's just, uh, it, he, he, he added nothing. He added nothing. He had no. no impact on the story. It was just an annoying kid yelling vendetta over and over again. I was like, oh, my God. Indeed. That's yeah, too much Gino. I will not be lampooned by school children. Kill them, Smithers. Ah, uh, you could just buy a new car, sir. Well, whatever's easier. A new car? May I suggest an Oldsmobile? 
Mr. Burns sucks! <laughs> Do I won't forget who mocked me. I'm taking your picture. Now, hold perfectly still for 78 minutes. This is where we're at work and Homer here is um playing pushing the buttons just like what are those is it just like a soundboard at the baseball? Well, I think it used to be an organ. An organ. It was an organ, yeah, but I think now it's just a soundboard. But it just there wasn't a new episode of The Simpsons where it's like a imagine if we never had Bart story. And Homer's got a job, his dream job, which is at the baseball doing all the sounds and stuff. And I watched that episode and I was like, this would be a fun job. Just being the dude in charge of the sound effects at the sporting event. How awesome would that be? Listeners, you may like to think that uh, this uh, this show, Four Finger Discount, is put together by Dando and I speaking into tin cans connected by a string. Not actually the case. We've both got, well, I know I certainly have here, um, a Rode Class A servo-biased uh, preamps Apex on board. It, it's, a, it's a... you got a Rodecaster. <laughs> I've got a Rodecaster, essentially. I could, I could basically record Letter B in my study. Yeah. Um, um, and it's got these buttons on it that I haven't even touched yet. Yeah. But apparently they're ones that, you know, would go... Or... <laughs> which I really want. We can install those sound effects into your roadcaster so we can do that in future episodes. Just for you. It does work better when we're both in the same room because we both can hear it on the same device. Yeah. I don't think you want to do that. No. I don't think you I'm not going to give you the sound effects. <laughs> the whole setup of why they're going to Italy is pretty weak. Oh, you can take your family. It's like what? Why? I I I liked that. Yeah. You know, sometimes a lot can be you know uh, forgiven or explained by just a throwaway line. Yeah. And what did he say something about? It'll save me millions in taxes like, or that, something like that. That makes sense. Yes. But why pick Homer yeah. of all people? <laughs> I know. <laughs> why would you trust this imbecile to go to Italy and get this car for you? It's, it mm. doesn't matter. There's nothing about that. It doesn't matter. At least they got the one. Another good thing was they got into it straight away. There was no big first actor set up them going to Italy it was like they were in Italy within like three minutes they were just they were there yeah. and um, then, but then we get another homo an unnecessary homo moment here he goes we'll have to hang out with them of course that'd be nice and I'm like mm. why do we need the joke of Homer hating his family we don't yeah. need that it doesn't add anything it's not right. funny it's just wasteful it's just anyway so we're now on the plane Homer pulls all the cables out of the armrest that he saw in first class well he thought the first because first class their arm Rest lift up. He doesn't. He pulls the um the cords out, and then we get the propeller. The propeller falling. Uh, engine. The engine. Engine falling, and then we get the Cletus and that, and then we get the. You see, Cletus is like, oh, here we go, an inbred gag. Oh, and man, we got one. By the way, yeah. I feel a little bit better now that uh, about my ignorance when it comes to cars. That uh, Dando said propeller. <laughs> Although it does have a propeller in it, so yes. I've right. been watching the Wiggles today. You can do the propeller. All the parents out there will understand what I'm talking about. So yeah, so we get the um, we get Brandine saying that Cletus was the best husband and son she's ever had. We're now at the airport, and Lisa's branding a Canadian flag on her bag because the U.S. government have done a few things in the last five years in particular. Because hey, George Bush. Just in case you weren't sure what we we're referencing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that actually did happen. You had a lot of Americans. Actually, yeah, putting the uh, putting the old maple leaf on their backpacks. What's with the Canadian flag on your backpack? Well, some people in Europe have the impression that America has made some stupid choices in the past, oh, five years. So, for the next week, I'm from Canada. Uh, I think Dad may blow your cover. That flag is mine. Don't mess with Texas. Shock it all, losers. Shock it all. We're now at the car factory on the assembly line. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> Are we at the factory? <laughs> yes. And for people who have nothing inside, that's what this car is for. And the, the car has just come straight off the assembly line. They're watching it getting made. And Homer says, we're going to take it straight home. But Marge is the one who says, no, why don't we stay in Italy for a little while? Like, live a little, you know. We've come all this way. Let's not do that. And Homer's like, you're telling me to break the law here, be a bit naughty. Then we get Bart and Homer having an argument and choking him with a robot and whatever. Mm. Passing, <laughs> yeah, passing it happens. Yeah. Yes. We're now, they're now driving the car. And this was funny. So you see the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I never thought I'd have to see it. It looks even better in person. A McDonald's where they serve booze. <laughs> I've never experienced this. That would be pretty cool in my opinion, though. Nor have I, although I think I'm so used to the flavour combination of various McDonald's things. Still haven't eaten it in 2023, by the way, well, folks. Well, well, Hungry Jack's on the other hand. <laughs> KFC on the other hand. <laughs> by the oh, way. my God. God bless me today. <laughs> Yes, that's right. It's time for uh, this uh, episode's mandatory mention of fast food. Um, but I got an email from the Colonel um, saying, "Hey, guy, would you like thirty nugs for ten bucks?" Like, first of all, I'm not a child. Call them nuggets. Yes. But secondly, but by, yes. By the way, ten dollars Australian is like six dollars American. You know, seven dollars. It, it, so it, it's it's, it's fucking cheap. Yeah. It's cheap. <laughs> Our currency is garbage. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I mean. That's what, like 30 cents a nugget? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. good. For KFC like, nuggets, which are, you know, the the best chicken nugget. Let's admit it. Let, let's did, not, I tell you what, did I tell you what Elliot said the other day on the way to daycare, by the way? I was like, don't it's Friday, Friday night is, um, so this is like a week ago, Friday night is takeaway night for Elliot and Holly. They get to pick the takeaway. I'm like, Elliot, what do you want for dinner tonight? And he goes, did somebody say KFC? I don't care. <laughs> I love he, it. He said it. I'm like... What is happening? He's like four did, and he's quoting ads. Did he actually do the whole, I don't care, I love he said, it? He, he goes, does somebody say KFC? I don't care. I love it. He said the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. that is, well that, their marketing is working. <laughs> well done, the Colonel. But, yes. uh, yeah, but, but I got that email and I immediately forwarded it to Dano saying, relevant to your interests. If Nicola wasn't cooking risotto tonight... By the way, chef's kiss. I would uh, be getting me 30 nugs. Even though I had KFC last night after the footy. Because Geelong piled on the goals yesterday against the mighty Hawthorne. We say mighty Hawthorne. They were once mighty. Not so mighty anymore. But you know what? We piled on the goals and I was very happy about it. I celebrated with some nugs, as the colonel <laughs> likes to call them. Anyway, getting back to the episodes. Yeah, so they're driving around. And I believe it was... Are we at the cheese moment? Is that where we're up to? Well, here's the thing. Uh, time for me to get a little pedantic because they've been in Pisa. They went to the uh, McDonald's oh, where yes, they, right. uh, yes, Homer yes. had some wine. It looked like in a, in a Chianti bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also go to uh, Pompeii, mm-hmm. you know, the famous laid waste to by volcano uh, yes. place, Pompeii. But they see the sign. It's only got one eye at the end. I'm like, did they misspell Pompeii? So I did a little Googling and found out that, you know, the, the city was Pompeii with two eyes at the end, but it's in the province of Pompeii with only one eye at the end. So The Simpsons is technically correct. So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I've actually got something else that I, that I learned oh, from this okay, episode, but now you learned something from this episode. Mm-hmm. I'll have to put that in the memory bank for a little bit later in the episode. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so they sit there and they see, they see the family frozen in ash, much like The Simpsons, and they call them savages. We've passed the Ponte Vecchio Bridge three times. I think we're lost. Let me check the navigation system. It says here we should turn left at a fat chick in a tutu being fed by a midget. That's a DVD of a Fellini movie. I get it. The midget represents dwarves. So Fellini, was he known for just being 
Was he sort of like the David Finch of, of Italy? Uh, the David Lynch of, of Italy? Absolutely. David Lynch, yeah. I, don't, I say Finch for Lynch, sorry. David there's, Lynch of Italy. There's yeah. David Fincher and there's David Lynch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, Fellini was, yeah, an interesting cat because, you know, he, he started off making what you might call neo-realist dramas, kind of like you know, his life in Italy post-World uh, War Two. Yeah. And as he got a little more famous and a little more ambitious, he started, uh, I don't know, introducing weird, surreal elements into his movies and essentially, you know, shorthand for a Fellini movie was like, Got it. It's it's gonna have a fat lady and a, and a dwarf in it. <laughs> okay, that was just yeah, like that. That was that. That was the checklist. Kind of. Look, it was. A, it's a lazy shorthand, but you know, at least I, I'm I'm sure a few of his movies. He really appreciated a big butt. He's up there with Sir Mix a lot. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Sir Mix a lot, last week I came across two young people. I'd say they'd be about twenty two, twenty three, and we were at we we're out having dinner, and that song a lot of big butts came on right. <laughs> And these girls, we overheard them at the next, they weren't the next table, they were like maybe two tables over saying, how is this song not cancelled already for fat shaming? And I was like, it's the opposite of fat shaming. It's not it's fat the shaming, opposite. it's a celebration. You blithering idiots. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I'm just like, man, millennials today, they just want to cancel everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but to quote the why, you come with the king, you best not miss. Yeah, you're, my you're, God. You're not coming for mix. How is this song not cancelled already? It's just totally fat shaming. And I was like, you're an it's idiot. It's not fat shaming. The chicks at the start are fat shaming and then yes. Mix takes them to school. Because that's the whole point of the song. <laughs> Dumbass white chicks are like, oh my God, Becky, look at her butt. And then Mix just goes, I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. When another girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. Want to pull up tough because he knows that butt was stuffed. Deep in the jeans she's wearing. I hooked an account upstairs and oh baby, I want to get with you and take your picture. My hope has tried to warn me, but that butt you got makes me so horny. Man, anyway. if you want, if you if, you, if there's anything worth signing up for Patreon for, is seeing guy rap that. <laughs> I'm going to put that video on our Patreon because that was amazing. It was incredibly white. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm the guy but, from later in the, in the mixed film clip. You like even white boys got a shout. And, <laughs> I um I said to Nicola at the time, I'm like, if guy was here, there is no way he would not be been able to stand up and just slap them. <laughs> guy would have thrown down. <laughs> he would have just walked up and just wrapped that to them in their face. <laughs> Excuse me. With a white man in your face, you get sprung. <laughs> yes, want to pull up tough because you know it's a bubble stuffed. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so this is where they get the um the, the cheese situation where all the cheese flies off the cheese truck and it crashes into well, mortadella is what destroys the truck in the end. And that's why it's not on the cheese insurance because it's not a cheese. Unless it's or is it a cheese? Is it one of those weird things where it's declared a cheese but it's not really a cheese? No, I always I saw it. it looked to me it looked like Devon meat with olives put in it. Look it I up. I'm going to type continuing. the word mortadella. Yeah. Into Google, and this will do it once and for all. First of all, there's a really nice sandwich shop in, in Torquay called Mortadella, and it is really nice. I went there, um, and I mean, I drove all the way to Torquay just for a sandwich, and it was worth it. Mortadella is a large Italian sausage, yeah, there you <laughs> or, go. or luncheon meat, uh, made of finely hashed or ground meat cured pork, which incorporates at least uh, 15% small cubes of pork. At least 15% meat is Mortadella. Yeah, it's meat. It's a sausage. Sausage meat. Yeah, there you go. That's a, when you said it's. What did, what did you define it as? What kind of meat was it? Sandwich meat was it? Large Italian sausage or luncheon meat? Luncheon meat. Luncheon meat is Devon. That's what it is. It definitely is Devon. Yeah, uh-huh. as we call it here in Australia. But they get the um, they get the, they get out of the car and they push the car to the Tuscan village because it's been destroyed by the mortadella. And there's a, a, a joke here, right? So the old woman here, she doesn't speak English. She doesn't understand Homer what he's saying, right? Uh, Americano. And he goes on a bit of a tirade. Then Lisa, she understands when she says that um, the mayor speaks English, or she understands it when she says that in Italian. 
Then Homer gives her a token of his gratitude, which is the mug that says Kentucky. Then suddenly she says, in Italian, that means whore. And I'm like, so now you can't speak English? English? Yeah. I was like, you, you, two I seconds ago, right. the, the joke was that this woman couldn't speak English, and now she's speaking English. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but apparently Kentucky in Italian means whore. I did not look that up to see whether that was true, but I feel like they wouldn't have made that joke if it wasn't true. I don't think that's the case. They go to see the mayor, and uh, it revealed it was re- it is revealed to be Sideshow Bob. And um, yeah, I, I liked the story. It, it made sense in the sense that he wanted to get away from Springfield, so he um, he went to Italy. And the fact that he had the big giant feet, or as they call them, humongous tootsies, in this episode, <laughs> he was able to use it to um to harvest the, the the grapes, and he was able to use that was the what set up the initial. Bob versus Bart story there was the fact that he had big giant feet and Bart saw because he frames Krusty and Bart knows notices that Krusty has small feet notices that Bob actually has giant big shoes to fill with the with the big feet it's like that's that's how you it was you you framed Krusty that's where the hatred started and then the feet here utilized into the story as well so he's he ends up becoming the mayor of um of the of the town what's that what's the town called Cilicia or something yeah, Salucia, 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 something along those lines. Apologies, guys. Oh, he's made, he's made the mayor, and he introduces them to Francesca and Gino. And Homer says, "I always thought you were gay." And he says, "He experimented in proud. college." Mm-hmm. Yeah, experimented in college. Nice Kelsey line reading. It's like, oh, what, the, what a surprise when he learns that Homer didn't go to college. Hello, I'm Marge. This is my husband, Homer, my daughters, Lisa and Maggie, and my son, Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson? The name Roberto cries when he has the bedroom. Bart Simpson! Bart Simpson! Bart Simpson! I make like my daddy! I uh, yes, Bart and I used to go fly fishing together. Die, Bart! I feel like the Ray gag, they can let it die now. It was funny. Like, it was. It worked for that episode, but don't make it his trait. It's so... It's too on the nose. It's like, oh, go away. Yeah, you give us time to miss it. I mean, I, I'm i not a fan of the Ray gag, as people know, yeah. uh, but I didn't mind that they did it once with Bob and once with Gino this time around. It's like, okay, that's nice. But they uh, do it every time he returns. It's just like... Oh, not every time. Him. Don't do no. it every time. Francesco... Um, Francesco. Francesca, sorry. Kept say, uh, says it. Um, <laughs> He's not gay. For, yes, they can stay for dinner. And she said, Bob makes love to me like a man that's just got out of jail. I was like, hey Hey um, <laughs> So, how, how do you, would you define love being made by a man who's just got out of jail? Would it be rigorous? Would it be intense? Would hmm. it be passionate? I like would to it think it quick? would be both passionate and tender. Because and I tender. imagine that any lovemaking that goes on behind bars is none of the above. You get tender eyes behind bars. Ooh! By bars. Uh, but he begs the family don't please don't tell him he don't tell him the truth I've made a great life for them here and I like that element of it here I was like you almost are rooting for Bob in this episode in the sense that you know he's been he's been a horrible person in the past but he's turned his life around now he doesn't want to kill Bart he's and Bart's the one that tries to tempt him. He's like, oh I don't believe you're never going to go back to the way you are and he shows him his belly and things like that and it's like no he 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 started a new life for himself here. Don't fuck it up, Simpsons. But and Lisa of all characters is the one that does it, and did, admittedly by accident. But still, by the way, I mean if I'm, I'm going to indulge in a little casual body shaming here because I'm all for it. But Bart's a little fatty. Yeah, well, he's always been a little fatty. They always poke fun at his little pudginess. What a belly on the boy. So as I said, Bart tries to um tries to tempt him. Then we get uh Lisa explained that literature is filled with tales of redemption. 
Then remember the two people that she mentions here? Damn it. Jean. Jean Valjean through to... The voice of Buzz Lightyear, Tim Allen. I can't believe that he actually went to prison for like, was it selling drugs or drug smuggling or something? He stayed out of prison. Well, or he got his prison. He got his sentence uh, reduced no, for snitching. No, he was he was in prison though. He was in prison. That's true. Yeah. But he but he also snitched. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. We I did not know that. Well, okay. But Homer yeah, says if you fix our car, we won't tell on you. So Bob agrees. He says the town is now at their service, and they all wave from the balcony, and we get the Homer Mussolini moment where he thought he was being Trump. Just the visual of the Mussolini. <laughs> I thought the lip. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was very funny. We're now in the sausage shop where they say they've been killing the same family of pigs for over 600 years and he's haunted by the ghosts of 10,000 pigs. Then we get Homer eating the raw meat. And like, this joke was stupid, man. Oh, yeah. And he kisses you with that mouth. He's like, I love you, Marge. There's all this yeah. raw pig meat all over his mouth. I was like, there's so much in this episode that works and then he's throwing shit like this. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand how you could ever write this and think it was funny. I get what you mean, yeah. It's, it's not. I mean, it, it feels, it's filler. It's just laziness, it's the, yeah. Yes, it's the stuff in the mortadella that's not pork. Yeah, um, but, well, o- olives aren't filler. I, I don't like olives, but olives used to be expensive as shit when I used to work in the deli. I love a, I love a good olive. So they're now playing soccer, and Bob's, you know, he's just the greatest man in town. Like Everyone loves him, they all want a piece of him. And then Francesca says, you know, you must miss him in America. Cut to the cops raiding Bob's <laughs> old house, and it's actually a birthday party for a kid, and that doesn't go well, doesn't go anywhere. Then Bob uh, makes the toast. Um, now that the car is fixed, you see it over in, in the corner there. It's all fixed and ready to go. Bob makes the toast to the family, but March says no wine for Lisa. And he says, come on, you know, everyone drinks here. You know, the, the town drunk is two years old. I did like when he turns around and get the diaper drop. I did like a good butt. Like, <laughs> the system, whether, you know, no who it is, just a bit of crack. Always always, always adds to the um, adds to the humour. Then we, I like It's the nice visual. it was a little Barney. Yes, I did like the visual of the goat being jealous as well when Bart was dancing with the old lady. <laughs> she was milking the goat at the start. Well, they did that initially as well when you first see that old lady. Yeah. Both her and the goat have pretty much the same expression on their face mm-hmm. when they're sort of looking suspiciously. That's a nice little touch. Bob, uh, sorry, Lisa is now drunk and she almost reveals the truth. This, I didn't buy. So he goes to walk her away. The clothes get ripped <laughs> off and he's still wearing his prison outfit. I was like, that's, that's- how you got to this? I'm like, that's lazy. That's lazy. That's correct. I mean, yeah, drunken children tell the ugliest lies. But I mean, I can buy Lisa getting drunk enough and sort of, you know, riffing on uh, on what uh, what Marge is saying and kind yeah. of humorously as well. But yeah, the whole yeah the the prison garb under the suit is like what? Why? No, don't. That, that's just bad. It's a, it's almost offensive as a viewer. It's like, oh man, you are like you just think we're idiots, right? You think we'll just buy anything? That's just ridiculous, really. Yeah, I mean, if you'd had like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to recall previous Sideshow Bob episodes because I know it's a riff on Cape Fear, particularly the episode titled Cape Fear. I know. Well, he's uh, worn this suit nearly every episode. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, De Niro and Cape Fear has got tats all over himself, prison tats. Yeah. I'm wondering if they ever did that with Sideshow Bob as well. Yeah, I, mean, they had, they, I know he had Die Bart Die. In Cape Fear, he's got the, um, it's like the, on his knuckles and he's got a snake and things like that, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice if he had like actual, like, like his prison number tattooed on his breast or something. But the fact that he's just wearing it, it's like, who, like, I'll, I'll go with some of the things, but this was just silly, you know. Sideshow Bob's meant to be this intelligent character. He's going through all this trouble. So are you trying to tell me that he puts on that prison suit or he's never taken it off? He wasn't wearing it when he went there. So why is he wearing it now? 
Also, you know, how was he uh, making love like a man who just got out of prison um, without, you know, um, Francesca seeing him get naked? Yeah, it's just... I don't get it. It was just... Not there's fine. other ways he could have gone about this, and this was not the way, in my opinion. But that aside, I did like coming being surprised. <gasps> Sacho Bob! <laughs> <laughs> then they go through the book, which had some pretty funny gags. I'm always up for some family guy shenanigans. So, yeah, you know, snake fired yeah. at South, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. Snake, you know, invasion, uh, invasion or whatever, of Dicassa. Uh Mayor Quimby, Drinko Drivo. <laughs> and then Family Guy of, uh, who's that? What's his name? Peter Griffin, uh, Plagiarismo. Mm. And then we get, I don't know, is it Stan, the dad from American Dad? I'm not sure who the character, the lead guy in American Dad. I think it's Stan, yeah. But the plagiarismo, de plagiarismo, <laughs> like, that's funny. And Bob, <laughs> and I like that they just put them in there. They, went, they didn't even like do Simpsonize them. It was just, nope, these are yeah. the characters. <laughs> Roberto, is this true? You tried to make the murder? But darling, the boy drove me to murder by exonerating a harlequin who I framed for robbery at the Quickie Mart. Oh, it all sounds so stupid. You have brought the shame upon our humble mafia-controlled village. You are welcome in Salsiccia. No more! Oh, he's getting that stabby look. Simpson family, I hereby swear. Ah, vendetta! Vendetta means... We come back from commercial and they're all talking about how this time it was Lisa that ruined his life, not Bart, and she's still hanging, having a hangover. Homer says they're an un- unavoidable part of life. Uh, do you think there's many people out there in Western culture who haven't been drunk before? Hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, I don't know. Spe- speaking of a, you know, Generation X here, I'm assuming that most of my cohort has woken up with a hangover at least once or twice in their life. Either they're big drinkers and like uh, Homer said, it's an unavoidable part of life or, you know, they've been at a wedding or a 21st or whatever and just had, you know, one or two too many and wake up going, oh no, my head. Yeah. yeah so, um, I don't know. It's weird. I'm reading more and more articles, sort of people talking about, oh, I'm going to, I'm stopping drinking and the, you hear, you, you're expecting to read like, oh wow, I woke up in the ditch or some, you know, shit like that or, you know, some real, not horror story, but it's like, oh man, it was really taking out my life. And it doesn't seem that way. It just seems like, oh, I woke up with a sore head one day and decided, oh, no, drinking's not for me. And maybe, yeah, maybe that's a legitimate reason. But uh, it just feels like, well, maybe just don't drink so much. You know, it's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to quit all or nothing. It's like, I'm sure one glass of wine is some, not going to ruin- Some people have no impulse, impulse control, man. Like some people can't stop. Like, it's literally just a, a, a brain malfunction. I guess- That's not a malfunction. That's a wrong way to put it. Some people just- are less able to control their urges than others. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's easy for me. I can literally go out and not drink and still have a good time. And I, mm-hmm. I can go out and drink and say, I'm having two drinks and that's fine. Some people just, I've got friends who have a drink every night and I'm just like, oh, whatever works for mm-hmm. you, mate. You know, but just no no, no judgment, but I just, I'm oh, glad yeah. I'm not down that, down that avenue. <laughs> it's here, but it's where Burns calls them up. He's like, where the hell have you been? You should have been back a month ago. I'm like, how the fuck, how long have they been what? in this town? Month? What's going on here? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And Homer says he's got technical difficulties and he puts a little, um, yeah. what does it say, coming back soon or something, whatever, yeah, just yeah. him looking all sexy <laughs> or whatever. I thought it was quite funny. Then they drive over, what is it, a traditional, because this is where Bob's chasing after them now. They're, they're yeah, on, on the motorcycle. They're about to drive off the edge, lazy Romans, 
And then what do they land on? The, they land on some landmark, I'm assuming, because it's like, remember where we parked? And they make a big point of it. What They land on top of the, like a, uh, a, like a it, big statue of some kind. Was it the Coliseum or the fountain? No, no it's just like one. It almost looks like the um, the monument in Washington. Just a big thing. Oh, um, uh, not Trevi Fountain, but it's, yeah, it's a column of some kind, and I can't remember the name for the life of me. You look that up whilst I continue. As you can see, I'm not very good with my Italian uh, landmarks. <laughs> but Francesca then approaches Bob and she says, you know, they've dishonoured you, they've dishonoured your family. We're all in. You know, we're all going to get them together. And Gino is, is laughing really e- in a real evil manner and he falls and cries like a little baby, picks him up and starts laughing evil again. The family are now stranded. They've got no car. I'm assuming they've got no stuff anywhere either. Just walking by themselves. But they see the ad for Krusty. He's going to be doing the opera uh, that night, I believe. They have, opera? They have that here too? <laughs> and Krusty go, he's going through the script. Let's see. Uh, oh, I ain't doing that. Oh, that's not funny. Here we'll change wealthy merchant to nudist with big rack. This needs punching up. That's coming out. Two acts. I just got a big kick out of that. <laughs> just the two acts. <laughs> Dana, we must take a break for a moment because I have found out that there are many famous columns in Rome, mm-hmm. including uh, the, the one that comes up first on Google is Trajan's or Trajan's. Uh, it is a triumphal column in Rome. <laughs> it's not the only triumphal column, if you know what I'm talking about. What does it look like? Describe it to me, because I'll tell you what this one looks like. Is it a big, phallic-looking thing with a dude on top? With a dude on top? Is that a dude? Uh... Well, it's a, something on top. Yeah, that, that'd be the one then. Well, they, they landed on top of that. <laughs> it looks like a big-ass chess piece. It does indeed. That's exactly what it looks like. It looks like a lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. It that's it. We're, we're, that was your, that's we're very your, cultured here at Four Finger Discount. <laughs> that's your history lesson with Guy and Dando. This, this you know, iconic monument from that's thousands upon thousands of years old. Oh, it looks like a lighthouse. It looks like a chess piece. Looks like, looks like a big dick chess piece. <laughs> yes. But, um, but yeah, so this is where they're stranded. They see the crust. He's going through the script, blah, blah, blah. The Simpsons family all walk in, beg for his help. They don't want to be the first, I believe, is it Catholics killed at the Colosseum? Is that what he says? Or Christians or whatever? First Christians. Yes, first Christians killed at the Colosseum. Homer then says he wants to be the Phantom of the Opera. He's gonna, that's who he's going to play. And then he, we get a really unnecessary gay joke. I'm the gayest supervillain ever. I was like, oh, hmm. oh no. Not this one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Dan did something in the um, in the writer's room one day or whatever. And I was like, hey, let's work this into a script. I'm like, okay then. <laughs> but Bob is then, um, Bob is then watching... Uh, the show as they're performing and Krusty's doing a terrible job they call me a murderer and then Gino's looking through the binoculars and he sees the family but shocked and Homer waves to him which I thought was quite good <laughs> and, he's, and Bob he runs off to, to get them and Bob says you know he's, he's evil at an 8th grade level let's see what else we got here uh, so I had this beautiful tour guide right and I tell her I want to see your Naples she slapped me ha <laughs> ha we call it Napoli. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're all taking a Napoli. I know you're out there. I can hear you being greasy. But then he gets sent down a trapdoor, and Bob then replaces him, and everyone now thinks that he's part of the show, and he's actually, and they're not going to be killing the family. They think it's all happening for the show, but the family's like, no, they're going to kill us. They're really going to kill us. Then somehow, Krusty just rocks up on stage with his limo and takes them away. Like, he just yeah. fell down a trap door. How's his limo on stage? How, how's this all happening? How'd that happen? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but um, he says he needs them. What does he need them for? What, what are they going to help him do? Smuggle what? Smuggle antiquities back mm-hmm. to the US. So he's, <laughs> I think he's devaluing uh, the ancient antique by breaking it into various pieces. Mm-hmm. 
logic has not been our friend this episode, um, but that's how you pretty much wrap it up, although it does have a happy-ish ending because the um, Terwilliger family mm-hmm. sort of walks off into the sunset uh, with uh, the evil gene, such as it is, clearly being passed on to little Gino because he wants vendetta, vendetta. He's almost swayed by a farfella, but no, a, the butterfly is also the subject of a vendetta. Farfella vendetta. And as I said, my last note on this episode, boy, a little Gino goes a long, long way. Yes, they um, they walk off to plot their revenge on the Simpsons family. But we do get some jokes here over the credits. They have a gondola ride. I like this. <laughs> True. The, uh, That's a moral. The Italian stereotype. Uh, <laughs> yes, poking fun at... Um, <laughs> Poking fun at Homer. Poking, poking fun at just the classic American family in comedy. Fat man with hot wife. Well, that's true. Yeah, the whole... Uh, Use, um, or useless what, or fat fu- man with a wife. That, like, or, the, the husband is always what? batting above his average in the classic sitcoms. What's the one that we sort of really tend to think of in that way? Because, I mean, I think for a while, according to Jim... Fat or just useless? Punching above his weight. Punching above his weight. Punching above his weight. Like, uh, according, to according to Jim, Jim Belushi was it for a while. Like John King Ritter had Katie, John Ritter. John Ritter. I mean, he's a great John dude. He was a handsome dude, though. He was pretty handsome, yeah. He had Katie Seagal. Um, I mean, Al Bundy. I mean, Al Bundy was like... Uh, but that the, was, char- the character was horrific, but like the dude's a good-looking dude, really. Well, yeah. I mean, he was a football star in high school who yeah. just peaked in high school. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like... It didn't even feel like he was sort of punching you know, above his weight. It was more like... She wanted Al all the time, apparently. He was like, eh, no pig. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so overall, though, what do you think of the episode? Like I said, pretty. I mean, actually, this was an interesting reversal on the way that we normally do things on Four Finger Discount because, you know, there'll be times when I'll start an episode and go, oh, I don't think much of this one. And then we'll talk about it. And be like, hey, there was actually some good stuff in this episode. Not that bad after all. With this one, I, I recall an hour or so coming, yeah. back, coming in saying, hey, I like this episode a lot. And then we've sort of, Picked a few nits here and there. It's like, uh, you know, that part wasn't that great. Every episode's going to have overall. Those, yeah. Overall, though, I was pretty happy with the Italian bomb. I thought yeah. this um, was, yeah, just a nice, light, breezy, fun episode. Not one that's going to stick in the memory, not one that's going to linger in the heart eternally, no. but um, a nice way to spend a good 25 minutes or so. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Because I learned how to. Oh. I learned that, is it Pompey? Yeah, there's there's Pompeii and there's Pompey. Yes, exactly. What'd you learn? (laughs) I learned that they have opera in Italy as well, which is fascinating. I was astonished. I didn't, I couldn't believe it. When I saw that crusty out, I was like, you kidding me? (laughs) What? From this day forward, your name shall be. All right, time for the Guy Davis new name championship. The current leaderboard stands at this. In first position, we have Luke McKay on nine points. In second position, we have Nora Coker on five points. And in third position, we have Heath Appleby and David Mott. David, I missed the point from a couple of weeks ago, so he's also on the four points in third position. Oh. Take it away, Mr. Davis. What do we have this week? Oh, no point, though. Um, that's one point. <laughs> one point goes to Mambo Bartaliano. Oh, I like that one. That's, ooh, a newbie to the Guy Davis leaderboard. It's Marinko Sotolovich. One point. Well done. Holy moly. Marinko, great name. Uh, two points for the Bob Father. The Bob Father. Ooh, that appears twice, actually. We have to give the points oh. to the person who did it first, and that is Fergus Jeffs. Fergus Jeffs did it Fergus. first, but our man Radio Mike did it as well. Just 
come in a little bit too late, Red Air Mike. But you know what? We'll chuck you in the leaderboard as well with a, with a with a one point. You can just you can sort of linger in there. You've made the leaderboard as well, Red Air Mike. You contribute enough by being a patron and all the support you've given us over the years. So Fergus Jeffs, well done with the two points. That puts you ooh, you're now in. You're now on five points. Well done, Fergus. Yeah, and, and nice work uh, getting the wild card uh, podcast slash radio mic. Mm-hmm. But three points go to V for Vendota. You always love the doze ones, don't you? I do indeed. And this folded it in nicely with the whole Vendetta thing. You know, it's a word we heard a lot in this episode. That is, oh, he's climbing. It's Heath Appleby with the three points once again. So now that bumps him up to second position. Wow. All right, oh, so first now... you like them apples? Yes, first position is now Luke McKay, still on nine. Second is now Heath Appleby on seven points. And third, we have a tie between Fergus Jeffs and Nora Coker, both on five points. There we go. So Heath Appleby with a bullet. This is shaping up as um, an Italian Grand Prix of, mm. of new name challenges. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! Okay, Mr. Davis, it's time for a few mailbag questions here for the Italian Bob. The first question we have here comes from Rachel McLean. Rachel says, have you ever driven an expensive car like a Ferrari? I never have. No. I've never even been a passenger in one. No, neither have um, I. We actually bought because Nicola's dad, our stepdad Ray, he's right into fast cars and things like that. So we got him like a Lamborghini Joyride for his birthday a couple of years ago. Love that. Yeah. But yeah, I've never been... We used to have... Our old neighbours were like, so the guy owned like a, a real estate agency, which is very well known around the country. And the wife, uh, I can't say because then you know who it is. Basically, they were millionaires, had a lot of money, right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm trying to like, it's like, uh, it's from Lisa S. No, no, it's too obvious. Al Simpson. <laughs> Basically, they had a lot of money. And he had a Ferrari in his, used to have a Ferrari in his um, garage. I never went for a ride in it. For whatever reason, never asked for it. But he used to have a Ferrari in his garage just next door here in North Geelong. And I remember one day he was, just, yeah, he was out the front talking to me. And this kid from, like, we have riffraff living around here somewhere. And he'd come around the corner. He was like, are you the guy with a Ferrari in the garage? And he was like, I need to move this car ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I need to uh, rescind my original answer. Yeah, okay. My, my good friend JP, um, his family was into cars, not these very flashy, you know, Italian ones, although he did have a very nice Fiat convertible for a while. Uh, but one car that they did have was like a classic Aston Martin, like a full-on Sean Connery, James Bond Aston Martin. Yeah. And um, JP had his, um, it was about, we were about 18 or 19 or so, so JP had his license when, when this car was uh, in the uh, in the JP household. Took it out for a spin one day and we went to the Botanical Gardens in, uh, in East Geelong and we got bogged. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was a really wet, muddy day. Bogged, and, by uh, the way, means just like your car's caught in the mud, you can't get out. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, it was a, it was a manual. I can't drive manual. JP was actually in the car trying to get it, and I'm at, I'm at the back pushing, 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 and getting just mud all over yeah. myself. But it's like if I am going to be splattered with mud, I'm happy that it is uh, 007's ride of choice that is doing it to me. <laughs> so yeah. But no, I've never been uh, behind the wheel or even in the passenger seat of something like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or something like that. I don't know how I feel about cars like that in all honesty i mean there's a, a noted local identity in geelong yeah who owns a ferrari and you'll see it driving around the town you've mentioned this like, before it, it bothers you doesn't it it doesn't feel right yeah. 
Yeah. I mean... And, and it's not the person that lives next door to me either, but it's like, you're in Geelong. What are you doing, mate? It just... I, I could not relax. You know, I couldn't go down to... You know, I couldn't park I couldn't go to Sam's Cafe. No, I couldn't go to Sam's Cafe and get myself a shawarma. No. You know, I'm just... Um, I'm just no, dipping no one, no one is going to let you have some, a nice thing because they don't have it either. No, I think you could probably top out at a Porsche in in Geelong. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think anything more flat, anything more flashy than that. It also depends what color it is. If you, if it's got a loud color, then you're in trouble. That's true. I think you get away with a nice gunmetal gray yeah. Ferrari, perhaps. But uh, no, I think Porsche or Mercedes is about as high end as you're going to get. Maybe a Maserati because they they they're more low key. Heath Appleby asks, "What car do you think of when you snuggle with your significant other?" The, the truck from Jewel? <laughs> <laughs> the truck yeah, from Jewel, or it's going to be... What's another movie with a car in it? What's that That truck from the Jeepers Creepers movie? Do you know that one? <laughs> I, think, I think of the mystery machine. What about you? <laughs> um, I think I mentioned Wacky Races on mm-hmm. the patrons thing not dick long ago. Yeah, no, I'm thinking more of Peter Perfect's car, which is essentially a dick. Yep, <laughs> it really is, yes. You look at it now, it's like, oh. <laughs> and then you look at uh, uh, Penelope Pitstop's car, which has got the the really big lips on the front, mm. which are lips, but also lips. And it's like, they were having some fun in the wacky, yeah. wacky races writer's room, weren't they? That's Hanna-Barbera, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, because it's in the Skewer universe, of course. Yeah, but this, this is the thing, right? On a, our latest episode of The One About Friends... They mention a Judy Jetson, uh, I believe, lunchbox or something, uh, or thermos oh, yeah. or whatever, on the episode. Nicola did not know who the Jetsons were. Can you what? believe that? Like, legit did not know who Excuse the Jetsons me? were. She, she's like, yeah, it's a band, isn't it? I was like, no, 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 not Joan Jet- Like The Jetsons, the cartoon. She's like, I've never heard of them before. I'm like, what is happening? I, I was flabbergasted. I could not believe it. Well, that's the thing. I think you'd have to, you know, if you met... There are things that you'd mention to Nicola, though. Or men- Nicola would say something like, "No, I grew up watching Blue Peter," or um, Peter Rabbit. Yeah, or there are certain English shows that are like yeah. for kids, and you know, anyone outside England will be like, "I've got no idea what you're talking about. You're just making words." I- up. I'm like, it's the-, "It's the Flintstones in space." She's like, "You're not helping me. I don't know what you're talking about." I'm like, <laughs> it's a, it's a really? Because I've made it as simple as I can. <laughs> Uh, the next question here is Andrew JP. What's your top three Sideshow Bob episodes? Me, I'm going to go. Uh, everyone always goes Cape Fear. And I guess if, if you're going, what are the best? I think you're going to have to go Cape Fear is number one. It's not my favorite, though. My favorite is always Brother from Another Series, which has David Hyde Pierce. As Hyde Pierce, yeah. Yeah. That's always my favorite Sideshow Bob episode. Um, but that would be number two when you think of the best of all time. I think it was a great way, really, to wrap up the Sideshow Bob character. He gets sent to prison forever with his brother. Mm. He didn't need to return after that, really. And I think it's going to be a tie for three for either the first one of uh, Krusty Gets Busted or it's going to be the one Black Widower where he tries to kill Selma, which I thought was a very good one as well. All from the classic era, obviously. But um, there was mm. no, there's another one, Sideshow Bob's Last Gleaming, where he steals the um the Wright Brothers plane and um because he, he's losing his mind because as, it's one an episode I appreciated more as I was older because he gets... He, he hates television. He wants to get rid of television. I um I like that episode now. Didn't appreciate it more when I was a kid. But I think top three, if you're going for actual best, Cape Fear, Brother from Another Series, and probably Black Widower. And I hate to sound like I'm just echoing Dan, but yeah, that's 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 a pretty solid lineup and probably one that I go with. I'm I'm, I'm I would probably even though I don't like the um 
the rate gag. I like pretty much everything else that's in Cape Fear, but I'm going to put that second. I think I'm going to put Brother from... Uh, was it Brother from Another Mother? Brother from Another Series, because it's... Brother better. from Another yeah, Series, yeah. my apologies. <laughs> um, because, yeah, look, I'm a big fan of uh, yeah David Hyde Pierce as well, so... Um, yeah, happy to have those in. But yeah, I think they're the ones that I like as well. Yeah. Harrison McClure, he says, I have a rich tradition of always trying Maccas in any new country I go to and then rating Good and man. comparing. Have either of you guys ever had Maccas overseas? And if so, what was the best and worst places in your experience? I remember having it in Paris when I was about nine or ten years old, but I don't recall anything that different about it. I don't recall. I had it in Hawaii when we took Elliot or we went for a wedding um, Ali was ten weeks old, so that was twenty eighteen, and I don't, I just, it just, it was just McDonald's. There wasn't anything really that yeah. different about it. I think that's part of the appeal, though. I mean, if you're overseas and you may be feeling, oh, I'm just a little bit homesick. What a big Mac. have Maccas, yeah. and it's like, oh, I'm back in, <laughs> I'm back in Shannon Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> was that is that your Maccas go to, the Shannon Avenue one? Uh, yes, it is. I hate it's going there. It's always hard to get in and out. So much traffic around that spot. It's a pain in the ass. Every car park in that area is yeah. bad. Yeah. I mean, the, the Coles supermarket is just the worst car park, not only in Geelong, but maybe Australia and possibly the world. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one thing about England is KFC is shit house. They, have, they don't have... I know you don't like chicken salt, but everyone likes KFC chips because of the salt. Like It's the salt that makes the KFC <laughs> chips so good. They just give you standard salt. I'm like, no, no, no. I ain't having it. I ain't having it. Uh, we'll go one more question. Oh, there's a couple here. We'll go a couple more. So, Mark Boston Burgess, have you ever been to the opera before? And if so, what's your favourite performance? Never been to the opera ever in my life. What about you? I feel like you would have been at least once. Uh, at least once, yeah. I mean, um, I've talked in the past about how uh, my family spent a year abroad back when I was about nine, ten years old. Yep. Um, that's when I had my Parisian McDonald's experience. But one thing we did was a bit of a tour throughout Europe and Part of that was like, hey, we'll show you some culture. And so we went to the opera one night. And, you know, I imagine that went real, went down really well with a 10-year-old who was like, are there any lightsabers in this? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, yeah, I have been to the opera. I cannot for the life of me recall uh, which opera it was. I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was in a beautiful opera house, a very, you know. I've been to the Sydney Opera House and I saw Pixies play live there. Oh, that's nice. Mm, that was very that's good. pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but the actual opera itself, I do not recall. Reese Roberts, what role, be it musical, opera, or pop culture role, would you love Bob Terwilliger or Kelsey Grammer to perform? He would love him as Sweeney Todd as the title role or in Star Trek, or a Star Trek captain. Oh, Kelsey Grammer would actually be a good Star Trek captain, now that you say that, I think. He would, yeah, yeah. Um, see, I'm, I'm, the minute he says, the minute Reese said Star Trek, I'm thinking, oh, about Star Wars? No, I don't think he would fit in Star Wars, but he would fit in Star Trek. Mm. The delivery, the he's more proper. Yeah. He's too proper for Star Wars, I think. He is a bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, um, he would be. And, and he probably, is, he actually, he might be a good villain in Star Wars, though. And it's weird because you know, I think Star Trek used to have this reputation being a little sort of, I don't know. Oh, Star Wars seems to have become stuffy, though. Yeah, as now, yeah. definitely. And 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 I don't think. And there's too much. There's too much lore to Star Wars now. There is now, unfortunately. I mean, I've 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 stopped watching The Mandalorian. Sorry to say, I've I've missed the last couple of episodes because like I don't know if this looks that interesting. And then I saw clips that I've got like I think it was Jack Black, Christopher Lloyd, and Lizzo. Yeah, in the the most recent episode. And everyone was dunking on it, saying, "Oh, this looks like a commercial for insurance or something." And I was like, oh, no, I'll give it a shot. And then I was looking at it and going, no, this looks terrible. This looks bad. 
the acting is terrible. I mean, Lizzo's a fine musician and a good entertainer, but can't act for a fucking lick. Um, so, yeah, bad news. <laughs> Not what you want. Well, on that note, let's wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> One more question before we go. David Mott, who would, you, who would win in a battle of wits? Sideshow Bob or Mr. Burns? Sideshow Bob would win, of course. Mr. Burns would just try and use his money and power to win the battle. That is 100% correct. I am well behind Dando on this uh, on this answer. Yes. All right. So that is our review of The Italian Bob. Thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget, guys, if you are listening to this on the Podbean app, stop doing so and listen to us on Spreaker. You can find all of our shows there now on Spreaker. They've picked us up on the iHeartRadio slash Spreaker network. And if, that's, if you're wondering why you're hearing more ads throughout the show, that is why. But, you know, we've got to pay them bills. And giving you hours upon hours upon free content. And um, if you don't want to hear those ads, you, of course, can support the show and become a patron as well. Links for all that is in the description of this podcast. If you want to check out all of our other shows, you can find the links for that in the description of this podcast as well. Also, shout out to anyone out there who is doing a podcast that's similar to what we do here, a rewatch podcast of some kind, and you would be interested in being part of the Four Finger Discount Network. And you're you know, you, mm. you're getting a pretty good following, and you want to be a part of the Spreaker Network and start making some, some sweet, sweet, sweet ad money yourself. Let us know, simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you've got in store for us. We are looking to bring in more people under the Four Finger Discount banner. And the first one is going to be the Office Talk podcast starring our man, Pat Wright, and his lovely wife, Katie, uh, patrons of the Four Finger Discount Network. They're now doing the Office Talk podcast, and you can find that in your feeds now, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find your podcast, you can find that as well. And you get early ad-free access to that one as well on the Four Finger Discount Network. But this has been the Italian Bob. The next episode we're going to be reviewing from Season 17 is Simpsons Christmas Stories. Hmm, interesting. It's going to be one of those ones where it's like Simpsons Bible Stories, where it's just like the Simpsons okay. non-canon stuff. I'm assuming it's probably written by Matt Salmon because he loves to write those. Let's click it. Simpsons Christmas Stories. I'm going to open it up. It is written by, oh, Don Payne. Okay, written by Don Payne, not Matt Salmon. <laughs> Matt Salmon is a big fan of these trilogy kind of stories, kind of like Treats of Horror, but not horror. So Simpsons Christmas Stories is the next episode here on uh, Four Finger Discount from Season 17. Don't forget, we've got plenty more Guy on Springfields coming as well where we go back and revisit classic episodes. The next one's mm-hmm. going to be Elliot J. O'Neill from the Simpsons Index podcast reviewing Bart the Fink. Actually, you know what? He's not going to be the next one. We've got a surprise for the next one. Someone who's been a big week down at the uh, the Marvel Factory, you could say. He's um, he's written something for... <laughs> he's, basically, he's the writer of a recent Marvel film. And he's going to be coming on this show to talk about an episode of The Simpsons. So I'm very excited to have that. That's going to be the next revisited episode here on Four Finger Discount. But yes, you get early ad-free access to all of those shows by being a supporter. So we'd love for your support uh, there as well. But this has been The Italian Bob. Next week is Simpsons... Or next episode is Simpsons Christmas Stories. Mr. Davis, any final words for those incredible listeners out there? We hope you've enjoyed this multicultural hooey. Shh.